Hello, welcome to the Musics in Japan. A conversational podcast about daily life for an American couple living long term in Japan. So lately I've been thinking about post holiday life in the US versus Japan. And actually this was on my mind a lot last month, but we never got around to talking about it. It's so completely different. And I find that I'm bicultural in my expectations. Are you bicultural in your expectations? I'm not quite sure what that means because I feel like the holiday ends and then you go back to the rest of life. So I feel like that too. But when the holiday ends, I feel it's so different because in Japan, technically, all of the businesses, like the holiday ended on January 3rd. But I'm looking at a calendar right now. So the holiday ended January 3rd was a Monday, officially on that Monday in Japan. And then supposedly everybody was supposed to be back at work by the 4th. And they did go back to work, but most companies didn't actually acknowledge they were back to work until a week later on the 10th. Because they used from the 4th to the, the 7th as a way to deal with all of their backlog. And so they just marked themselves as closed, a lot of places. I feel like this is the forced synchronization of vacation, which happens in most countries, too, because only the 31st and the 1st are actually holidays. Yeah. So I feel like they can make people burn at least one of their 10 days of annual holiday by saying, we're not coming back, you have to take holiday. Mm -hmm. So not every company does that, but I think that's part of it, too, I like we don't want you taking vacations at convenient times because that's what I've noticed about Japan is there are the holidays and yeah. you, you should not take any time off at other times. I feel like the U.S. is the same. And again, this is a really, I feel a really classist conversation because for me, I didn't take any time off during the holidays. I tried to. Right. But no matter what business I start, no matter what business I run, people want things from me during those days that are supposed to be holidays. And even people knowing that um, I was hospitalized earlier in the year, and even people knowing that I was hospitalized, they were still emailing me for things. And they thought they were being really considerate in their email and saying, you don't have to read this now, and I hope you take time to take care of yourself. But just in case you would like to take care of me while you're in the hospital, <laughs> here's all the information you need to do so. And I was like, okay, so this really isn't thoughtful, yo. Like, See, if you are email, if I tweet that I am in the hospital, you don't have to acknowledge that you've ever seen that tweet. But if you send me an email acknowledging that you know I'm hospitalized mm -hmm. and you're going to be so gracious to let me decide whether or not I deal with it, that's just you telling me that you feel anxious about something and you want me to take care of your anxiety. Learn or, how your email scheduling system works. Schedule that email. Right? And so I get it. And I usually just address whatever it is, even if I'm in the hospital, which is like a really bad habit. I really shouldn't be working when I'm hospitalized. I really shouldn't. But as anyone knows, when you have a chronic illness and you spend a lot of time in the hospital, you have to work anyways. And I think that's bled into my understanding of holidays as well. Like, I don't understand if something needs to launch at the beginning of January, how can I take the last week of December off? I don't get it because people think that everything can be scheduled and 
that's not the case. A button has to be pushed at the bare minimum. Right. A button has to be pushed. And before anything goes bad, it has to be proofread. And like, there's all the, it's, so it's not just pushing a button. So I feel like for me, holidays are, are just annoying. That's what they are. So post holiday, like even into February, I'm annoyed the fact that there was a two week holiday. See, and I got three weeks off this year. Which that was yummy. Yeah, that was yummy for you. Yeah, it was it, so yummy. It was nice for me too. But I think anybody who wanted anything from me in that time would have you been worked. disappointed. Why are you fretting? I worked a couple of hours. You worked a couple of days. Across three weeks, that is so much less than I usually do. Correct. But you still worked. But the number of emails that I got over the, the holidays, my holidays, was about 10 that weren't automated. I got a bunch of automated emails. So I wonder at what level you have to be to actually take the holidays off. Because working minimum wage, I always worked on, hol on holidays. Yeah, me too. Always. And then when I was working for above minimum wage, when I was in the service industry, we'll call it, I always worked holidays. And then when every time, so I went from that to being a regular employee where I was about middle class on the wage I was making when I was working for ABC. And I technically had holidays off, but... I did get called in sometimes during the holidays to help families with their kids. And then, so then I didn't really get holidays off. And then I started my own business. And since then, I've, I've always had my own businesses. And I've never been able to get time off during the holidays because someone has to be on call during those times for the businesses to run smoothly, no matter what business I own. And I always feel like that person should be me. And I have to admit, a couple of employees had to work over the holiday. They weren't able to take the time off because things came up. They didn't have to work every single day, right. but they had to work one or two days. So who's getting a solid two weeks off, I wonder? Bank employees and government workers. Yeah, when I worked, because I did work at a bank for a while. You're right. So it's a bank holiday. It's a bank holiday. Yeah. Snapple. I think it's about whether you're consumer facing. And if you are consumer facing, but the other, the consumers you're facing are also in business, it's about whether they're consumer facing and whether you're providing some need to them. What does consumer facing mean? What are you saying? When I moved to California in 1995, so before some of our listeners were born. And you were only 19. You're still a teenager. When you moved to California, I was twenty teens. when I moved there. Thank you very much, because I moved late in the year. I'd had my birthday, <laughs> so you moved right before the new year. I moved right before the new year. Yes, I feel like there's a lot of fun going on right here. Trying to act grown. Yeah, you're always trying to act grown. You're grown now, but you weren't grown then. So holidays were one of the few days that I didn't work when I started in the software industry. I worked weekends. I worked nights. I worked mornings. I worked days but I didn't work holidays because nobody else around was working. Oh, that's interesting. I always assumed you did. I'm learning something new about Chad. Yeah. This is so awesome. This is one of the reasons why we love doing the podcast. We learn new things about each other. I didn't know that. You had holidays off? I had holidays off. Wow. I was working 70 hours a week. Yeah. Other weeks, but I had holidays off. 
So is it that sort of, because I kind of had holidays off when I was working for Applied Behavior Consultants. And so, like, there's a whole thing. I don't think they're a good company. What Everything they taught me was bad, um, except for the differential diagnosis courses that they had me take. Those were on point. But I don't believe in behavior modification the way that they they do it. But you were still working for them when I met you. Yeah, I was. And you didn't work on school holidays if you worked with the kids at school. Yeah, but I still, so I guess teachers also get the holiday off. But every teacher I've known during the break, they have to go in for in-service days. Yeah. So they only get part of the holiday off. And then and, they and have a lot of them to spend, prepare for the school year Yeah, a lot of them do again. homework and grading and such. And when I was teaching, I was like, uh-uh, I'm not going to prep any lessons outside of my work time. That's not true. Why are you lying? No, that's true, but I only worked part-time, so I guess... That's still not true. <clears throat> yeah, I guess I was there all day, and I taught two classes, so I had lots of prep time. And then there were still experiments that you were doing at home to see if they would work. Yeah, that's true. So, but I think about all the teachers who gave us homework over the Christmas break. Yeah. Who were like, here's 50 hours of work to do over the next two weeks. And that felt like they were just mad that they were working. Yeah, I feel that way too. But most of the teachers that we know here in Japan are bitter. And most of the teachers that we knew in the U.S. were also bitter. Yeah. So we haven't, we've only known like two or three teachers that weren't burnt out and weren't bitter. Mm -hmm. So this kind of gives us a nice segue into like the difference in the U.S. And in the U.S., I find that the U.S. starts work as soon as they're back to work, they announce that they're back at work right. and that they're open for business, but then make you wait. And so this is when I was talking about being bicultural. For me, I find that annoying. So I feel like don't front. You're not really open for business because I can't ask you for anything. And I find this is really true of teachers at the PhD level. They are not ready to take on anything of mine. Right. So since we've come back from, since we came back from the break, they have not been responsive. Like they've responded in a way that says I've responded. So the clock stops on the response, but yeah, they, they haven't like, taken any actions. I remember them being like, okay, submit this by the first of the year. Yeah. And then getting back to you late November, or late January, rather. Late January. Yeah, so what was, why were you sweating me? Mm -hmm. Like, what was that about? Well, they were on vacation, even though the classes were still running. Yeah. And they do this passive-aggressive thing, where because by the rules of the university, they cannot ask you to work. But they said, wouldn't it be nice if... That kind of thing where, you know, like if someone's your boss and they come up to you and they say, wouldn't it be nice if you work, if you could work on Saturday? Yeah. You know that they're low-key asking you to work Saturday. And if you don't, it's like, I always have to think, am I, is this worth burning goodwill for? And like, because I was in the hospital, they just completely stopped responding to me, even though the expectation was I needed to work. So I felt like I was being double penalized for being hospitalized. Like I had to work while being in the hospital, but then I couldn't do anything beyond what they, beyond that that would require interaction between the two of us. Because both my chair and co-chair are obsessed with talking to me on the phone, and I don't talk on the phone. 
so riddle me this. How are you going to give me a talk on the phone if I'm not in the hospital? I'm still not going to do it. <laughs> you have to tell me it's the only possible way to do it or that it is mandated by the university. And yo, it's not. So send me an email because I have really exceptional reading comprehension despite being thus dyslexic because I'm not going to talk on the phone because it messes up my whole sleep pattern. Yes. And can trigger insomnia because I have to talk to them sometimes at midnight. And if the conversation goes from midnight to one, they think, well, you could just go to bed after that. No, after that, my thoughts are racing based off what we talked about. And I'm going to be up till 6 a.m. at a minimum, which usually means I'm up till 10 a.m. And then I have to like go through months and months of trying to get my sleep right. So I'm not doing that unless I have to. I'm in Japan. So I feel like this is a thing that's only recent. Like 20 years ago, there were a few companies who outsourced their call centers to India or whatever, Yeah. knowing that there was a huge time difference. But I feel like now it's kind of expected that you'll work with companies wherever. And especially if you're not in the U.S., I end up working with U.S. companies a lot. And it means I have meetings at 6 or 7 a.m. And I'm down with that. Right. But because of the time change, it would be super late for them. I think that's what I'll start doing. I'll start making it convenient for me. Yeah. And not caring. Like, if you want to talk to me, you can talk to me at 6 a.m. my time. I'm willing to get up at 6 a.m. my time. I am not willing to get up earlier than that. Or we could do it by email. I'm fine either way. Because I'm fine to put myself out for, like, if it's my oral defense. Like, I'll do that anytime. You're done with that, to be clear. Well, no, I did my oral defense of my proposal. I have to do my oral defense of my dissertation. So I have oh, your, two oral your defenses. Viva Voce. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm in psych. Yeah. So, and you did two oral... Yeah, I did. did. Yeah. You did an oral defense of your proposal. Yes. Except you had to do that to be accepted. I didn't have to do that to be accepted. Yeah, that was right. There's just different timelines. So for me, I wish that people would be... At the individual level, I wish that everybody would understand their own capacity and say when they're back from holidays or when they need time off. Because I do something that absolutely drives people batty, and that is I will randomly drop it like it's hot. I'm not available for these next three days. Mm -hmm. And they freak out because I'm really not available. And I will set a bounce. I will set a, I will set my email. My, an email responder that lets you know I'm not joking and to quote the great Kennedy Davenport no it's not Kennedy Coco Montrese I'm not joking bitch <laughs> <laughs> so sorry Coco I, I'm thinking about Kennedy fuck my drag cause that's how I feel like everybody wants to fuck my vacation fuck my time off fuck my drag and I'm like, no, I have to set a firm boundary. And the boundary has to set so firm because people cannot help themselves. Then I have to set an email that tells them, yo, remember, I'm, I'm gone right now. I'm not well, you're a helper. This. And like Mr. Rogers said, look for the helpers. It's so annoying. I don't like being in a helping profession on, on that regard, on right. that end. And that kind of segues to like looking at the the meaning of the different meaning of the holidays Mm -hmm. because New Year's I'm so American when it comes to New Year's I think of it as a time of reinvention yeah what do you think of it as 
as just a time to take a break and then start again. So it's different depending on where I've worked. So you're like more Japanese then? Yeah, it's different depending on where I've worked. The company I work at now, the fiscal year starts July 1st. The company okay. I worked at before, the fiscal year started April 1st. Okay. So it's the end of the year for us because we have to do U.S. tax things. But in every and Japanese tax things. And Japanese tax things. But in every kind of work capacity, it's not the end of the year for, for me. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a pause. It's like a break after the busyness that was Black Friday and Cyber Monday and that, the whole shopping season. Okay. So I think that my view of it has changed as I have moved between industries and across different levels and things. Because when I was doing software, when I first started, it was, oh, no, let's get back to work. Everybody's forgotten what they were working on. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Mm-hmm. And when I was, you know, in do, doing like fast food and that kind of thing, I didn't really get a break. It was <laughs> nobody does right solidarity to everybody working fast food. I'm so grateful for my time. I feel like working fast food taught me how to get up and go to work. Yeah, me too. I started work at five a.m. Like yeah. five to one was a great schedule for me. Because that's you know you're a good employee when you get the morning shift when right. you open. I was so proud of myself when I got the morning shift. That's when you know that you're on the the track to being um, a shift supervisor to manager and all of that. Yeah. So I think I did three years in fast food, which isn't that long, but I still remember it. And now that I'm in management of an area that doesn't have external customers, it's pretty flexible. Like, the whole company didn't have vacation. That would be inaccurate to say because our customer service people were still working. Our warehouse people were still working, all of that kind of thing. Yeah. But being an internal division that supports the other people who are the, the office workers or the, the kaishain, to use the Japanese term of just generic office work, they weren't working, so I wasn't What was working. the point of that using the Japanese term there for you? I think you like saying it. It's you an, say it a lot. It's an interesting concept to me because it, nobody says like white collar or blue collar or whatever. Yeah, it, that's not said here. It, it's are you like a company person or are you like part time? So the people at the grocery store generally aren't considered kaishain because they're part time. They don't have a fixed salary. They're paid hourly. They might not have job stability. We presume we don't know any. We don't know anyone who works at a grocery store. I am just presuming based on the ads that are always up for we're hiring, and okay. what they describe as the we're hiring. Okay, I don't pay attention to those. But the factory workers are still kaishine, even though they're not really office workers. Yeah. So I find it interesting that that's always. I translated. think it means company employee, not office worker. But it's usually translated as office worker. I think it means company employee. It does, yeah. I've seen it translated both ways. And we've talked about before how Japanese does not translate to English. Yeah. So there's, I feel like kaishine means office worker and also means company worker. Right. And the reason I, company employee, and the reason I think that is because they always ask Rasta, are you an employee of a company? And he says yes. And they say, then you're a kaishine. But Rasta doesn't like that. Rasta wants the fact that he's, um, 
An interpreter? Yeah, an interpreter to for that to be said. And in Japan, the reason he doesn't say that he's the head of publishing for Cinnabar Moth is so confusing to them. Yes. So he's like, I do interpretation because they can't understand it. So he can only report his... It's a whole thing. I'm not going to do that digression. And I'm not putting Ross's business in the street like yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's but. complicated for me, even even though I have a regular job. But it's not a Japanese company, so it was a whole regular... So they don't know if you're, like, a real employee of anywhere. Right. Do you really work anywhere if uh, you work virtually? I had to get a letter saying I was employed. Yeah. Which, at Japanese companies, that's a regular thing. You just ask them for a certificate of employment, and there's so a standard I don't feel form. like the certificate of them asking you for a letter is so strange. No. Because in Japan, you get a certificate of employment when you work for a Japanese company. That's right. Yeah. I don't think that's weird, you needing a letter. I feel like that's just the culture. The discussion of whether or not that letter was valid because they didn't have an office in Japan to which I go was the interesting part to me. They're like... So what I do for that is I tell them that your company sells to Tokyo Hounds. And then like, oh, okay. And then show them the website. Yeah. So I have them look at the website and then show that they sell it at Tokyo Hems. Mm. What do you do? I usually don't deal with that. I usually let you deal with it. <laughs> to be honest. Real talk, but have you ever dealt with it on your own? Yeah, I, I think to, you have. When I had you went to, deal to the, um, the revenue place. Yeah, I've had to deal, deal with, with it on it. my own several times. Yeah, so what do you do? I have my employment contract and I have a letter saying that I'm still employed. Oh. And we have a certified translation yes. of it, yes. so that's important. But I think what we were talking about, so there's no like elegant way to bring it back around. Like, what do you think of as the end of the year for you? Like, what does New Year's signify for you? But I feel it's more like the the Japanese. Yeah, New Year's is kind of the mid-year for me, fiscally. Like, okay. This is happening, but, you know, a lot has changed this year between 2021 and 2022. So I'm changing title, changing pay. Like, it really felt like a new year this year. Mm -hmm. But a couple of years ago, I had just started the job. So it felt like an interruption where I wasn't getting any better at my job. And then last year, it was a vacation, but then things went very sideways, like, my boss quit and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So I feel like this is the first year that it's just been time off. Mm, yeah. And my main concern was, have, are all the people who work in my team getting their time off? And some of them chose three weeks and some of them chose two weeks. And that was kind of the extent of yeah. my involvement with the holiday. Did you like the three weeks? I feel like the three weeks was a bit long. It was a bit long. I liked it, but it started to seem like, okay, I feel like there's going to be things waiting for me, and I, my memory is fading. Yeah. Like, if things aren't on my mind. And so it was good. It took me about a week to fully relax. Like, okay, it's not going to be disastrous for me to not be available. Yeah, and I feel like that was the mismanagement of your holidays. Yeah. And this year we're trying to do better on managing your time off and yes. managing your holidays so that it's not so chaotic like that. And I understand that this is an executive issue because you're an executive, you're yep. at your company and 
for me, I look at the dichotomy between the two of us. I'm the owner, but I can't manage my vacation times. I have to manage my workflow to see when there is time I can take off and then snatch it and claim it and announce it and, you know, double check and triple check and send out message after message and confirmation after confirmation that I'm really not available this time. And I feel it feels very much the same with the hustle to get your shift covered if you want time off. Yeah. At minimum wage. So I, I look at that and I just kind of trip on it that I'm the owner, but it still feels very much like that minimum wage hustle where you have to, you know, see, can Mary Beth cover your shift? It, and if Mary Beth flakes out, can Joe cover it? And you have to have like two or three people that are in line to cover your shifts and double check and triple check with them up until the day before you actually go take the time off and then disappear. Right. Because if something comes in on your day off, you'd be like, this was scheduled. Every manager knew, every employee knew, like, and then you have to justify it when you came, when you come back, why issues weren't handled by you. If there was any issue with covering your shift. And I feel like this, I have to go through the same thing because people are like, well, why didn't this thing happen? Or why didn't that thing happen? And with the press, I feel like, would you have even promoted it if it did? Mm-hmm. Like, what has it cost you? The check cleared. You've been paid. So I have to go gangster. <laughs> and it's like, you got your money, and your money was right. Congratulations, you played yourself. So I have to go to my inner DJ Khaled. But I feel like you at least honor the letter of it. And the, yeah, I do. Because my first job out of high school, my first full-time job, was at a place called the Royal Fork. And when I got hired there, I said, I don't work Sundays. And they were like, you don't work Sundays, but most people work Sundays. I'm like, I do not work Sundays. Yeah, I don't work Sundays, and you got to hold fast to that. Yeah. Everybody wants people to work on Sunday because they don't work Sundays. Right. I don't work Sundays, not ever. Let's put it in writing, and I don't work Sundays. So I worked there a year, and then they were like, it's Mother's Day, you're working. And I said, I don't work Sundays. And they said, but everybody's working tomorrow. I said, I'm not. I don't work Sundays. And they're like, you work tomorrow, you're fired. I'm like, fuck yeah, I quit. And I yeah. got another job that yeah. didn't work Sundays. I feel that it's interesting to me the difference between the two of us when we're at the same level. Yeah. And so for me, and this is like I'm checking my privilege and recognizing my privilege, but I really can't change it for the business to be successful. And I think a lot of people think, and we, I talk about this all the time, I lament the pressure of being a business owner, but I am such a shitty employee. I have so much attitude. I have way too much tongue in my mouth. I am way too grand to be anybody's employee. And this because like if you're gonna manage me, don't manage me worse than I can manage myself. That's my issue. And I don't I've yet to make to meet someone who can manage me better than I manage myself. Yeah. And that's just it could be grandiose delusions. But I am so in my reality that that's my truth. And I'm living my truth. I don't think that's grandiose solutions. I have people who work for me who are like, I want you to check in at least a couple of times a week. I want you to tell me what to do. And other people who are like, tell me the goal and leave me alone unless I ask for help. In a nice way. You're always, you're always upset that people want to be micromanaged by you. You're like, I feel yes. like I'm micromanaging. And I always tell you, ask them. You're like, I'm just going to let go. And I'm like, ask them, are they in the place where Jesus takes the wheel? <laughs> and they're like, no, we do not want Jesus to take the wheel. 
We want you to take the wheel, be in charge, do your job, manage me. Yeah, and I feel like they're misunderstanding my job, but managing them <laughs> is part of it. I'm like, your job is to have meetings. Yeah, my job is mostly long-term strategy stuff. And, and I think that's where some of the difference in vacation comes in is because I am very distant from people paying money to the company. I don't personally make any of the products. I don't ship any of the products. I don't see the products. I don't touch them. I don't talk to the customers. I'm very, very distant from the actual money-changing hands, reason, and execution. So it may seem weird that we're talking about this in February, but the reason it's been on my mind now and why I wanted to talk about it today is because I feel like both the United States and Japan see the new year as the solar new year as a time for setting life goals and a time for reinvention. And I'm in the process where I'm starting to apply my reinvention and I'm relaunching adjustment guidance. I just said I didn't, I was in flux with what to do about adjustment guidance. And I just, if y'all follow us on Twitter, you know that I'm a therapist at heart and I just, Cinnabar Math Publishing is fabulous, but it's just not fulfilling me. And I feel like Rasta can take it over because the part of it that I do mostly is buy and promote books and tweet. And I don't, it's not taking up as much of my time as I thought. Right. My PhD, Knockwood, is winding down. And I'm looking Because you're at, finishing it, not because you've quit. Yeah, no, because I'm finishing my PhD. And I look at, I've been doing my PhD and Cinnabar Moth Publishing, I look at, I can do Cinnabar Moth Publishing and adjustment guidance and balance those two things. So I have, I always have to have two or three things that I'm doing or I feel really unfulfilled and bored. I get bored really easy. And when I get bored, I just quit. And that's not a good thing. So with my PhD, the stress of it and the pressure of it has kept me from feeling bored because I have deadlines. And so I've always been interested in, can I meet this deadline? Mm -hmm. Can I beat this deadline? And I like to play the game of, can I beat this deadline? And we did it back when we were in the junior college and we had those Palm Pilots. Yeah. And I would set deadlines and grades and I like calculating things. I like beating calculations. And my university has this thing where it's the, your PhD coach. And it tells you if you're on track. And I love every time I finish something, I can shave two months off yeah. the estimated graduation date. No, I know you love that. And and nobody minds. And that was the thing when we were back at the Because it's not official. Yeah. It's, it, what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to pump fear and make you sweat yourself. And it doesn't make me sweat myself because I'm on point like that. When we were back at Dianza. I'm so conceited this episode. You would track your grades and you would get to like, okay. I don't have to do anything more, and I have enough points to get an A. Which would really be frustrating for my teachers. It would. They'd be like, new rule. If you don't turn these in, you fail, even if you would get an A. Yes, we had a teacher that actually did that to me. Yes. Because I made the mistake of telling them, and I was like, ooh, I'm not going to tell anybody <laughs> anymore. Because I, I would go in and go into a teacher's office hours and be like, look, I have an A in your class if I do nothing else. I'd like to stop attending, but I will still do the homework. And they'd be like, okay. And you'd be like, that's so unfair. I'm like, no, it's not. Go talk to them. 
Yeah. They're like, but the syllabus says, and I'm like, go negotiate your new adjusted syllabus for yourself. Like, do it. And you're like, no, it's it's unfair to everybody who doesn't know that they can do it. And I'm like, everybody's not my problem. I'm trying to, to I'm trying to finish the course because I am bored of going to class. Yeah. And like, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna smoke cigarettes and drink coffee. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna go hang out in the library. I'm gonna go eat. Why do you care? So it was. So I've always been like really aggressive that way. And I find that being conceited makes it less aggressive. Like to tell people, I handle my business. Because I rule the world. Yeah, I and think... it's my world, and you're living in it. But that made you angry. I think it's about time ownership. The, it's my world, and you're living in it. I'm like, no, I live in my own world. <laughs> but I think a lot of it, and a lot of holiday stuff, is about time ownership. So Japanese companies like to own your time. They like to own you. Yes. For life. But they don't do lifetime guaranteed employment anymore. But a lot of the bigger companies have their company union. And the company union helpfully negotiates that, okay, you get 10 vacation days your first year by law, and then one additional day every every year that you work. Yeah. But the unions will be like, okay, everybody is going to take these same 10 days off. Yes. And you don't have a choice in it. So, like, you don't have any choice in how to use your vacation. And I'm finding that the company I work for, at least, is much more flexible They're the most flexible company I've ever come across because you can legit move a holiday that falls on a Wednesday to a Monday. Yeah. And say, I'd rather take Monday. I'm going to work that Wednesday. And I think that's the joy of your position. I think so. And my team. Because it doesn't affect, because it's not company wide. Right. It's specific to your team. Yeah. Other people, they have their, it's stricter. So I, I don't know if it's your company or if it's your position. And I feel like, post-holiday because all of your team took the holiday there wasn't this big crunch because it wasn't just your team it was the entire data sector right the entire technical sector of the company and operations sector of the company sections of the company took all of them took that time off and some of them took even the week after yeah so there wasn't this big crunch there wasn't this backlog And I thought that was really cool because you were able to start work and just start work at a regular pace on your regular work week. So you you didn't front like Japan doesn't front like America does. And I feel like a subtle thing that's different with the Australian companies and Australian housing, too, is that things happen every two weeks. What do you mean? I get paid every two weeks, not twice a month, every two weeks. Yeah. And if you rent in Australia, you pay rent every two weeks. Not once, what? Not once per month, but every two weeks. Which what means, is, Wait, what are you talking about? Right? That is so strange to me. Because February was always the month that I got screwed. Like, when I was an hourly worker. Yeah, February is tough. Because there are fewer, fewer hours, yeah. but I still had to pay the same rent. Yeah. But in Australia, they pay rent every two weeks. So Australia... In Australia, February is not any harder than any Are other Are you month. being serious right now? Yeah, I'm being completely serious. Okay. Chad told me a joke once that I believed, and so now I'm like always testing. Are you, you know, being the, serious? You know there are months that I have three paydays. Yeah, I do know there are months you have three paydays. It's because I get paid every two weeks, and rent is also I've never tripped off of why I'm just like, cool. <laughs> so Chad and I have separate bank accounts, because in Japan you can't have joint bank accounts. So I don't clock Chad's money like that. And I have my own income. I make my own money. 
So because I make my own money, we've just divided what we pay for. So I'm not tripping like, do you have the money to pay for your stuff? And Chad's like, yes. Do you have the money to save some money? And Chad's like, yes. And I'm like, cool. Yeah, we check in with each other. How are you doing? Like, Yeah, like I know I know it's in your account. You know it's in my yeah. account. I have act like I could use your passcode and all of that. I could pick up your credit card and all of that. So it functions. In function, we should have a shared account. But in form, we have separate accounts. Right. So I don't pay attention to your paydays. As, but I feel like you want me to pay more attention. No, I don't want you to pay attention. Because I'm a contractor, I have to explicitly bill every two weeks. Yeah, and I don't pay attention or remind. And I feel like that's what you want. You want support in your billing. I get a reminder. They have a okay. list. Everybody who has to bill gets an email. Because all your other paperwork is yeah. different. Yeah. And that's different. So I don't have to do it. So I find that for me, with reinventing myself this year, that I'm going to... That I do the tradition of I set an idea of who I want to be after the new year. I marinate on it from about August of, so I marinated on it from about August of 2021. Right. I started thinking about who are you, Christopher? What are you about? What are you doing? Get yourself together. You need to reinvent yourself. You're stale. Because I get bored being who I am. I get bored of myself. I find myself to be very boring. And that boredom drives me to promote self-growth and all of that. I think of it as a really positive thing. I don't think of it as a bad thing. I'm not advising you to think of yourself as stale. I'm just saying this is the thing that I do. And then I marinate, like, what can I do? Because all of August, I'm like, it's too hot. I can't do anything. And then in September, I'm like, it's too hot. I can't do anything. But I'm thinking about what would, what could I do? I need to do something. I've got to break out. I feel trapped. I got to break free. And then October happens and I start thinking about what do I want? Yeah. Like what are the things I want to do that I want to be able to do that I want to achieve? What are the goals I'm working for? Why do I even work? What do I need money for besides just living? Because everybody needs money to live. But how am I going to enjoy money? Is there any money to enjoy? How can I make money that I can enjoy? And I get really hyper-focused on enjoyment. Mm Mm-hmm. And that theme runs from October, November, and December. And then December, I get really like, we got to keep it down. We got to hold it down. The New Year's about to start. We have taxes. And I get hyper-focused on taxes in December. I'm like completely obsessed with them. And then in January, all of that culminates into, okay, now I need to make a plan to improve myself so that I can be someone completely different by my birthday. Mm-hmm. Because my birthday is when I assess that I waste that year of life or did I make the most of it and what am I going to do with the next year of life? Am I going to waste it or am I going to make the most of it? And January, I do all of that work. So February, I'm just pumped up full of pride from all of the work I've done because I can actually see all the work I did to self-actualize. You can see everything you did up until... Yeah. Up since your birthday, and then you can see your path beyond your birthday. Yeah, and so I'm not really conceited. I'm just proud of myself. Yeah. I'm feeling, like, super proud. And that's the post-New Year on a personal level for me. And I find that it aligns well with the Japanese post-New Year. And it aligns to the idealized version of the American New Year. Right. 
because I have a commitment to myself to make changes, but I don't do what I think of are super floss things. Like I don't focus on weight. I don't focus on smoking. I don't focus on like what Pulp Fiction self-help is or the popular self-improvement. Mm, I look yeah. at like what are my core values and what do I value not caring what anybody else thinks. Yeah, I find that you tend to start from what do I want and then go to how do I get it yeah. rather than who should I turn into to have everything that I want. How yeah, because I'm already that person. How can I manifest my dreams? Yeah, and I don't use the word dreams. I don't have any dreams. I have goals. Right. And so that's why I, I now like, I love like, if you haven't watched DJ Khaled's Hot Ones episode, you have to watch it because it is the most gangster, the most self-assured hot ones ever. It's legendary. DJ Khaled taps out after two wings. So Hot Ones is the show where people eat hot wings that get hotter and hotter as they go on while they're being interviewed. And DJ Khaled told him straight up, if the rule is that all of these have to be eaten, you're going to eat them. And I was just like, yes, thank you. I'm not eating them. I'm not going to play myself. Like, I know my limits. This is as hot as I can take. I'm not embarrassed that I can't eat any hotter ones. I'm not here to meet your expectations of me. Yeah. I'm not going to look a fool on TV with, you know, crying and doing all of that. I'm not going to do any of that. And so I have that, like, I'm not here to impress you. I'm here to be me and fulfill myself. And I think when you and I have done career coaching together, when you've helped me with that, that's been the thing that you've pushed me to do is like unshackle yourself from meeting other people's expectations. Yeah. What is it you want? So what's your post-holiday, deep culture, post-New Year's thoughts and traditions? I It feels like it's time to grow. Like I, I start thinking about how many... Are you going to accumulate mass? Like... It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I might accumulate mass. No, I've been... <laughs> I've had the same... If you don't watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the character Matt carried around a bag of burritos because he was going to accumulate mass and then work out and become really buffed. Yeah. <laughs> I've had the same mass. It's a mass. really funny season. I've had the same mass for the last 10 years. I feel like this is the mass that I have. Yeah. But it feels like... Okay, what am I going to do in the new year to learn? Where do I want to move to intellectually, socially, yeah. emotionally? And it's not a resolution. It's just an assessment of what's the plan. Because the end of the year feels like wrapping things up. So mm -hmm. usually when I get certifications, they happen in November or so. And it's very much tied to the season. Because I feel like I like to be done with things before the vacation and then come back fresh and look at what's next to do. So what do you all do? Because I'm always interested in what people do for the new year. Like what the new year means to them. Because I have such a strict meaning of it and strict idea of what it is and what it's supposed to be. And... And those types of things. And it's sort of like, I believe in, it's a mix of celebrating myself and moving towards the next celebration. And so February is always a really happy month for me, mm -hmm. even though March is taxes. Because <clears throat> I prepare all of our tax stuff in January. And that bogs me down 
but it it's also a really good way to see like did you come out on top last year financially yes or not because you have to look at all of the money that you spent so on one hand is it can be sticker shock it can be like oh my gosh and other times it could be like okay i was on point Mm -hmm. and this year everything came in the budget everything worked out really well even with the closing the temporary closing of adjustment guidance so i'm really excited to be relaunching that and i'm really excited about where we are and i'm excuse me i'm just happy that's a great place to be yeah so i hope all of you are feeling happy all of our music beautiful music notes we completely appreciate every each and every single listener because it's so awesome to be in the top 10 every week on player fm for podcasts about japan and that wouldn't happen without you guys so thank you so much for listening and if you haven't become a patron yet Think about it. For three bucks, you get several years worth of stuff. So if you do three bucks, you can just completely binge listen to a whole bunch of take twos and there's stuff to read and look at all the different incarnations of take two. If you're already and you can get uh, Chad's books for free. If you're already a patron, we thank you for following us on over to the take two. And I know what we're talking about this week. We're talking about recovering from mistakes at the easing. Because mm. I've made a few. So <laughs> on that note, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. You can keep the conversation going on our website at themusicsinjapan.com. That's the music spelled M-U-S-I-C-K-S. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at the Musics on both. And if you'd like to support us, please visit our website to sign up for our newsletter, join a Patreon tier, or send us a one-time donation through PayPal or Ko-fi. We hope you'll listen again next week. Bye.